Hello, it's Rabina Ahmed Huck sitting in today for Jeff MacArthur. Uh, I'm guest hosting for the first time ever. I think it's going okay. I get to talk about the budget, which is something at least I know a little bit about because normally I talk about money, the economy, how to save better, how to spend more wisely. Um, so we're taking a deep dive into what to expect from the budget today from all angles. Um, and I'm really excited to welcome on our next guest, Christian Luprecht. He's a security expert, professor at Queen's University and the Royal Military College. Hi, Christian. How are you? Good afternoon. Pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, I wanted to ask you high level, uh, what are you looking for in the budget today? Because we know there's going to be some defense spending announcements. Um, what, what's your expectations? Well, you introduced us with uh, usually talk about saving and spending. I think today will largely be about spending uh, on the multiple fronts. And defense, of course, is the single largest direct expenditure by the federal government. It constitutes about a quarter of federal direct spending. And so inherently, those are important conversations and big ticket items. But look, reportedly $8 billion extra for defense. That sounds like a big amount of money, but we spent $400 billion uh, on the pandemic. So, you know, that's 2% of, of, of those 400 billion. Um, and I think the security environment has changed. The chief of defense staff this week said that we live in the most dangerous times that we've seen in generations. So there's an argument to be made that the premium we've been paying on this insurance policy that we call national defense is simply insufficient, especially since we've been underpaying on that premium for 20 years. And so that it's time to up our game. Yeah, no, that's my next. That was my next question for you. Is that you know Canada has been criticized by other G seven nations of not spending enough, not spending their fair share on defense. So it sounds like you think that's fair criticism. Um, is this a step in the right direction to appease our our G seven nation um, allies and and the leaders there who have been criticizing Canada for not spending enough? See, because you're so charming, you are really charitable in the way you express this. Let me put this differently. Canada has been admonished by both the Secretary General of NATO as well as the Biden administration for its inability to step up when called upon when Putin's tanks started rolling into Ukraine and our allies asked for us to do more and we had nothing more to give because we didn't have the foresight to prepare effectively. And I think what we really lacked in this country for 20 years is uh, at least is sort of a vision with regards to our international policy. Where do we want to be? What contribution do we want to make? And to that effect, uh, the military is uh, an instrument of national power and a foreign policy. It's arguably our most important, single most important foreign policy instrument. So when that instrument can't deliver for you, it means that you cannot assert your interests internationally. And yes, there's people who say, well, what interest does Canada have? But I would say we all have keen interests because we enjoy the democracy and the way of life and the freedoms that we have. We enjoy the prosperity that we have. And none of that is possible without security. And I think the Ukrainian situation drives home that security is a first mover. If you don't have security, you cannot enjoy all the things that we all cherish in life. Right, right. I mean, if we're, if there's insecurity anywhere in the world, it, it doesn't mean it, it affects all democratic nations, um, it affects all of us. And even the fact that there's so many Ukrainians that live in Canada, um, it has a direct effect on um, their ability to to, to, to feel that their their relatives are safe. Uh, the U.S. is now calling on uh, expanding their presence um, in East Europe. Um, they're saying the Ukraine war could last years. Um, is that the right direction? Uh, and, and do you think it could last years, this war? 
Well, so look, I mean, Russia has been coercing its peripherally forcefully since the 15th century. So in that sense, it is simply a continuation. And so I think the sense that Russia had sort of changed its ways uh, was always a naive sort of proposition uh, relative to Russian history and relative to Putin's uh, own personality and aspirations. And I think what the US is uh, proposing is that this has never been about security or, or about NATO um, membership uh, that Ukraine was always going to be uh, in a very, very far distance. This was always about democratic contagion. It was about a crumbling empire on the one side and the world's youngest democratic experiment on the other. And that democratic experiment posed an existential and poses an existential threat to the Putin regime because it gives Russians an idea that there might be an alternative model to the kleptocratic coterie that has been ruling Russia and one that might actually afford them more freedoms, more prosperity, um, and a more desirable way of life. And so ultimately, that's not going to be resolved um, with a, even if there was an ostensible ceasefire. And so in that sense, uh, I think the Biden administration has it correct. And so do, of course, all the countries on the Russian periphery, because they all know what it's like to live under an authoritarian regime. And they all know that democracy is fragile and needs to be defended. Yeah, and that's something I think uh, Canadians sometimes take for granted. We don't understand what can happen when uh, something like that's happening in Ukraine happens so quickly and people's way of life has changed so dramatically uh, almost overnight, literally overnight. Um, what more can Canada do? Um, you know, often we take a back seat. Uh, we sort of follow the lead of the U.S. or um, uh, other uh, our other allies considered bigger economies. Uh, but what more can we do as Canadians uh, to support efforts in Ukraine? And, and, and what more can our government do to support efforts in Ukraine? Well, one of the ironies is that on the military side, there's really not a whole lot more that we can do because we didn't play ahead. So yes, the government is going to put a bit of money into helping to buy weapons for Ukraine, but it's unfortunate that we don't have a military that can step up in terms of uh, deterrence. Now, the government appears to be changing its ways, and uh, but that will take quite a few years because for 20 years, the government has underinvested both on both sides of the political aisle uh, in the armed forces. And so we're in a 15-year um, uh, a rebuilding period that's going to require a sustained dedication, not just to operations, because the last 20 years, that's all we've seen governments putting the emphasis on operations. But if you want to operate, we all know you need an organization that is well-maintained and sustained, and you need to have a workforce. Um, and, and there are significant workforce challenges in the Canadian Armed Forces. So there's a whole reconstitution and regeneration of the Canadian Armed Forces uh, that the government is now having to uh, engage on on multiple fronts. And that's about a lot more than money. It's about um, outdated policies and procedures. It's about duplication in procurement uh, bureaucracies. It's about making sure that governments don't play political football um, with defense procurement for their own benefit. Uh, it's about making sure that governments, rather than having big words, are actually able to deliver and deliver not primarily in terms of defense procurement and getting money into the writings that the government holds or would like to win, but actually putting the emphasis on making sure the Canadian Armed Forces get the equipment that they need but also the people to be able to operate that equipment. We're dramatically short in 100 occupations in the Canadian Armed Forces, on pilots, for instance, on sonar operators. So you can buy all the planes and ships that you want, mm -hmm. uh, but we're currently not in a position to be able to operate them effectively. Are those the outdated processes you're talking about? Is that, you know, we're not following a system that actually is going to put pilots in planes or uh, put people on the ground that actually know what they're doing, actually know how to operate this highly technical equipment in some ways? 
Well, we've been too stretched on personnel, especially on sort of junior officers, so senior captains, majors, master corporals, uh, sergeants. Um, those are the people who educate, who instruct, but who also operate much of this equipment. And so when you're short on that cadre, you can only put them in so many places. You can have them operate, you can have them do force reconstitution, you can have them rewrite policy, but there's not enough people to be able to do all of that. And so uh, either the government puts more money and more people into the system to be able to generate that renewal, or the government uh, cuts some of the red tape and some of the very onerous procedures and outdated policies uh, and actually innovates the organization as a whole. Um, but first and foremost, I think what defense needs is concerted attention uh, by the prime minister and by cabinet, because I think so far defense has largely been a sideshow for this government that's gotten in, way of, in the way of other policy priorities. And uh, uh, as a result now, it requires all hands on deck in terms of the rebuild. Um there's been um, a lot of memes going around that first people were infectious disease specialists. Now they're specialists on um, geopolitical issues and people, you know, share things on social media. Do you think Canadians really understand what's happening uh, in Ukraine right now and the, the ripple effects that it, it's causing around the world outside of, you know, saying gas prices are going up and, um, you know, I can't reach my family in Europe? Do you think that we really understand how serious the situation is? I think if you're an immigrant to Canada from the Russian periphery, or if you're a refugee to Canada, you very much understand what is going on. If you're a Canadian who's always grown up here, who doesn't have family there, then I think you would say like, well, why are we investing in the military? We could put all that money into climate change, into the housing crisis and, uh, uh, and whatnot. And I would say that it's not buns or uh, guns or butter, it's guns as well as butter, because you need to be able to safeguard um, those capacities in your society that actually generate the prosperity that uh, that we all enjoy. And so I think Ukraine needs to be a wake-up call. Are we going to let tyrants and authoritarian regimes shape the international environment and security environment? Or are we going to be proactive at shaping that with the instruments of national power that are at our disposal? We learned very hard lessons in the mm -hmm. first half of the 20th century in terms of blood and treasure. We invested ourselves in the second half of the 20th century to make sure those calamities do not recur and I think we have some thank historical amnesia. Thank you so much Christian I've got to let you go that was so interesting my name is Rubina Madhak. I'm filling in for Jeff MacArthur we'll be back after a short break. Hi it's Shauna and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey it's Ryan and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here I might be a bad parent because in my house the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone Len emailed us and said his six year old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two year old at the rink. Alright guys I'm sure we're not alone like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.